This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, over the noon hour today, so in about an hour or so, the Finance Minister, Carol James, is going to release the latest quarterly economic figures for the province. And, you know, there have been some kind of warning signs on the horizon with this, that concerns about ICBC were going to impact these numbers, that certain revenue generators are kind of softening up. So there are some concerns there. Uh, So they've kind of laid the groundwork for that. But is there good news? Is there bad news? Like, what's going to be there? We thought we'd get a bit of a preview right now. With the help of Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief in Victoria. Hi, Keith. Good morning, Simi. All right, so let's start with the bad news. I take it there is going to be some of that. Well, the tip-off uh, was uh, in the first quarter uh, financial updates a few months ago that the economy was softening, government revenues were declining, and there's no reason to think that that trend has won't continue in today's quarterly updates. So we expect... I still think there's going to be a surplus uh, because uh, Carol James has prudently built into her budget, as her previous, uh, as her predecessors did, a pretty healthy uh, what's called a forecast allowance, a cushion in case there's unanticipated drop off in revenues. That's almost a half billion dollars cushion, but I think a lot of that's going to be used up. Uh, and the chief reason, one of the big reasons we're going to be looking for is the continual financial deterioration at ICBC. Uh, David Eby has been quite concerned that the loss of that court case of them being able to limit expert testimony in in, right. um, in claims, that that could cost uh, upwards of $400 million. And, and so that would be put against ICBC's bottom line. In the budget, it's supposed to only lose $50 million this year. If you add that $400 million to to that number... Well, that $400 million would almost take up the entire revenue uh, allowance, uh, forecast allowance, the cushion. So that's, that's how close to the edge I think Carol Jane's budget is going to be. It's still probably in a surplus situation. John Horgan at the weekend convention here of the NDP on stage said that the budget's balanced. So he obviously knows, I think, he's got some inside information there. So I expect the budget to be balanced, but we're going to be looking at the revenue numbers because uh, it was flagged for us in the first quarter. They've already downgraded the economic growth uh, expectation, which had been 2.4%. Now it's down to 1.7%. Revenues were down $150 million last uh, in the last update, and I expect they're going to be down even further this time. Okay, so do you think there are some like storm clouds then in some certain sectors, and we'll get a bit of a preview of that? Well, forestry is certainly one to right. keep an eye on. Forestry is in crisis. Canfor announced yesterday shutting down all but one of its sawmills around BC for two weeks, starting uh, December 23rd. Forestry, you know, the the government uh, had anticipated getting more than one point, almost one point two billion dollars in revenues from the forest sector. Hard to see how that's going to happen when you've got all sorts of mill closures for for a sustained period of time, some of them on a permanent basis. So that's one revenue number that I think is going to wobble considerably. Um, other ones, if there's, an, if there's a slowdown in economic growth, that means the um, some of the taxation projections in terms of revenues are likely going to be down as well because people aren't spending as much money. You're not paying as much uh, sales tax because you're purchasing less goods. Uh, property transfer tax was down uh, ha- almost a half billion dollars last time. It's... It, Various reports have the housing market picking up a bit, so perhaps there's a little bit of easing of the pain on that revenue line. Right. But uh, bottom line, this is probably the first quarter update was kind of negative, and this one's probably even a little more negative, but not to the point of turning the budget into a deficit situation. That's that's my that's my guess. Anyway. Right. Is that a big concern, though, Keith? I mean, here we are now, like you know, not quite two years out from an election. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation with the New Democrats at the convention. Justin Trudeau won two elections, um, and deficits didn't seem to matter to people. I mean, he's promising huge deficits. I do think, though, the NDP, fairly or unfairly, wears the deficit issue in ways that other political parties don't. They're always accused of that's their, their Achilles heel. They ran yeah. a number of deficits in the 90s, although they did balance the books by the end of the decade. Uh, the Liberals ran a whole bunch of deficits early on in their first years in power. People seem to but see, people seem to forgive them more than they do the NDP when it comes to deficit uh, budgeting. But I still think Carol James is committed to having a balanced budget right up until the next election, and that means uh, she's already searching for more than three hundred million dollars in in savings of, of committed spending. Uh, you know what's called discretionary spending. I'm not sure she's going to be able to find that, but she is subtly cutting some spending programs out there uh, in an effort to ensure that her budget, her budget remains balanced. The big concern the government has, and any government has, if the budget goes into deficit, then the bond rating can be affected. And if your bond rating is affected, yeah. uh, it costs a lot more money to borrow money to pay for infrastructure projects. Both the NDP and the BC Liberals, uh, I think, have rightly want to spend a lot of money building hospitals, roads, bridges, uh, things that people like to use. Those things cost a lot of money. And if your bond uh, rating goes down and the NDP has a triple A bond rating, just as the BC Liberals did, then the cost of borrowing to pay for you know $5 billion worth of projects suddenly becomes very expensive than if you had that triple A in place. Right. And what, you mentioned the NDP convention on the weekend there. What was the mood like at that convention? I thought it was uh, pretty positive. Uh, I think they're very comfortable. Uh, I've got a piece out this week that they're they're kind of comfortable at the midway point in their mandate. Uh, there was no real agitation there on the floor. There was no floor fights. Anybody loves to fight with each other at these conventions about right. you know taking on the government on different issues, even when they're in power. There wasn't really a lot of that uh, this time. There are a couple of resolutions that you know went against government policy. Nothing major, though. There was a teachers' protest there, but it was a very polite one. And I didn't get the impression that there was anybody pressing any panic buttons. It was very noticeably different than when they were in opposition. It was sort of a a gathering of frustrated people because they weren't in power. Now that they're in power, I think there was a sense of satisfaction they've been able to enact some changes, maybe not move as fast as, as people would like on some, but I think there was generally an air of satisfaction that they're in government now and nobody's panicking and you know, John Horgan got a, a leadership vote of 94.6%, which is uh, pretty impressive. So I think it was more a loving of Horgan than anything else. Interesting. But no pushback, though, in terms of the types of labor disputes that still haven't been solved. No, that's, uh, again, uh, just a sense that they're in government. There's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some challenges. Uh, uh, you know, I talked to Harry Baines, the labor minister. He knows full well what his his powers are under the labor code. Nobody wants to speculate about what happens if these talks go south today and the pressure on the government to step in uh, through mediation or some other lever that Harry Baines can, can pull here. Uh, and certainly no discussion of bringing the House back next week for an emergency bill. But uh, again, uh, the t- t- teachers' dispute was, was classic. 300 teachers in attendance in the room next door, all wearing red shirts. I was outside interviewing the BCTF president, Terry Mooring, uh, getting ready to interview her for live at noon on Global. Uh, 40 teachers out there gathered around. And who walked through us all in the middle of it? But Carol James, the finance minister, who's in charge of teacher talks, not a word was said. Everybody just sort of smiled. Really? And so it was not the confrontation um, that you might expect in, in other uh, circumstances, which I think was reflective of the mood at that, uh, at that convention. All right. Well, we'll find out more over the noon hour. Keith, thank you. I'll be back.